This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Just a reminder that 24 hours from right now at 8 a.m., yeah, we true. will open the show. Emphasize, well open done. the show. Because yeah. we're going to be in New Orleans tomorrow, a little different time. Instead of our traditional 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern time, we'll be 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern <clears throat> time tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, we will be at Jackson Square near Cafe Dumont. <laughs> uh, Washington Artillery Park is the uh, end of uh, Jackson Square. We'll be there with the show. Nothing but net, by the way, live tonight on set downtown near uh, Jackson Square. So right? there you go. Yeah, Final Four preview, Minneapolis and New Orleans. Yeah, you'll be in the air. You'll be trying I to get hope to be in the air. It's the last flight out of Charlotte. The oh, smart people boy. at ESPN literally got me on the last flight with the last seat to get down to the Big East. Skilled travel professionals. I tell you what. They did a heck of a job. Our travel people, man, they were awesome. They threaded the needle, man. Yeah. Hard to do. And we weren't the hardest person to get there. Well, speak for yourself. Well, you might have been. Because I they they had to thread the needle with me between the serious radio show and I only had a window that I could go. They called and asked me if I'd like to go to Tupelo. I said, sure, whatever it takes. Tupelo, Biloxi, Jackson, I'll go anywhere you need me to land. Houston, Shreveport. Stop by and see our man Timmy B on the drive down if I had to. Baton Rouge, I was was there, no problem. All right, Duke, Carolina is Saturday night. This is Packers' favorite Final Four ever. I like it. It's my kind of Final Four. Snobbery. No, snob appeal. Oh, snob appeal? Different. Snobbery is different than snob appeal. I like the snob appeal of this group because yeah. this is bling time. The, every one of these teams has it. Duke, Carolina, Kansas, Nova. Yeah. Sophisticated you're, basketball yeah. snobbery at its finest. I love this kind of group, man. If you're with us at the top of the show, you saw that the curious part about this is, is that Duke and Carolina are offensively geared Really kind of at both ends of the floor. Blue Devils have played well defensively. Carolina's got some defensive elements about them as well. But they both shoot it pretty well. They both kind of rebound it. They've got good post play. We roll through these notes here. Duke's, I tell you the number that's not discussed enough about Duke, how good they shoot it. Almost 54% from the floor. Fifth highest by any team coming to the Final Four in 22 years, Mike? Over 51%. In all four of the games, they've been consistently good making shots. And right. boy, does that help when it matters the most. And, you know, the other thing, too, that I love about this game is that both of them have been pushed. Right. They have both been in moments where you went, uh-oh, this doesn't look good. Duke, Michigan State, yeah. five minutes ago, doesn't look good. Down five. Yep. Uh, Duke and uh, Texas Tech, uh-oh, this doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. Texas Tech, is that good? I mean – so they've been pushed and came through it. North Carolina, man, life cruise control up 25 on Baylor. Man, it gets the elbow. Caleb Love gets kicked out, but right. five fouls, and now we're in overtime. Didn't look good, Yeah. right? So I like the fact that both these teams have been pushed. It has not been a layup drill for either one of them from that perspective. Uh, even even the North Carolina-UCLA game, Baycott with the incredible save, throws it back, Love drills it, bam. Those are the kind of plays you got to make. So – Two terrific teams playing their best basketball. They know each other inside and out. 
You got everything from the rematch, even though Kay the other day said, hey, that's for all you other idiots to worry about. <laughs> and he's right. The yeah. players go play. Uh, this game has everything you ever wanted, man. The two great teams, incredible rivalry. Mm. They've split in the regular season. They're playing their best basketball, and they're in the Final Four. I mean, what more do you want? Uh, Mark Williams has been terrific. He's trying to become the first player since Anthony Davis. To uh, In fact, he is the first player to get to the Final Four with 50 or more points and 15 or more blocks since AD. Did it for the Cats. And Williams has been sensational. Uh, and against really good competition, too, now. I mean, it's not... Coming against lower seeds, he's done it against uh, Michigan State, Texas Tech, and certainly Arkansas last Saturday out in San Francisco. So uh, the youngster has clearly risen to the occasion. Carolina, by the way, can counter with a terrific big man. Armando Baycott has been great as well. 63 rebounds in the NCAA tournament, just six shy of the program record held by Kennedy Meeks. 29 double-doubles this year. Consistent, been big in the big moments. And I said that play he made the other night against UCLA yeah. was just awesome. It was just a great defensive effort and play. And North Carolina, like Duke, has their weapons at the right time, right? Caleb Love can beat you. Brady Manick can beat you. Baycott can beat you. R.J. <clears throat> Davis can beat you. And Duke counters the same way with Jeremy Roach, right. A.J. Griffin, and Ben Caro, and Mark Williams. I mean, like I said, what more do you want? Yep. Let's just roll the ball out and have a great basketball game. Uh, Carolina is uh, going to get four or more days of rest. That's been a good elixir this year for Hubert Davis's team. Tar Heels are 10-0, and 0, winning by an average of 18.5 points when they have four or more days of rest. You can see the, uh, the numbers here. Virginia, Marquette, UCLA all fall in that category in postseason and at Duke in the final regular season game. Interesting note. We'll see how it plays out as it relates to uh, to Saturday night. Now, here's the beauty of the way the game sets up. It's Duke Carolina on one side. And kind of during this week, it's been heavy Duke Carolina. And, oh, by the way, here's Villanova and Kansas, who, by the way, could also produce the winner Monday night. Very capable of a national champion coming from there. The Duke Carolina game just decides one half of Monday night. I'll tell you this now, the Jayhawks – Look the part, Pack, but so does Villanova. Jay Wright's done enough for, and quite frankly, they've been the most successful of these four teams in the Final Four as a recent note. Oh, uh, not even close. Uh, they won it in sixteen. They won it in eighteen. Uh, Jay Wright's team's twenty and three in the NCAA tournament since twenty sixteen. They really have been the gold standard in college basketball, in my opinion, last seven years. Yeah. I mean, nobody else is close to that. And. I gave you the example the other day. The last time a conference had two teams in the Final Four, mm. oh, it was the ACC, and it was in 2016, and it was North Carolina and Syracuse, but yet it was Villanova that cut down the nets. Here we go again. Two ACC teams in the Final Four, and over there on the other side is that Villanova crowd again. Yep. They know how to play. They know who they are. They are consistent, value the basketball. They make every free throw they look at. Tough, physical, defensive-minded. Yep. And then you got Kansas, one of the great basketball traditions, period. They'll match up with Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, anybody else in the mood. You go out to Kansas, start looking around about basketball tradition, they got it. And Bill Self, you know what? He won the national championship back in 08. He's been now to four Final Fours, just like Jay Wright has. Uh, this is a team that just destroyed Miami in the last 20 minutes, outscored them 47-15. to 15. Uh, If Kansas gives me that 20 minutes, they're going to win the national title. Yep. They, they gave me the best 20 minutes 
a basketball of any team in this tournament for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. But we know it's a 40-minute game. So uh, the contrast of styles in that first game with Kansas and Villanova, to me, is the intrigue. Can Villanova play that game in the 50s, low 60s? Or does Kansas get them moving? Right. Kansas runs, runs, runs. I think they're the quickest team from end line to end line in the tournament. They're faster than Duke. They're faster than Carolina. When they run, they are – I mean, they, they're awesome to watch. Their offensive flow is great, but defensively is what they really put the number on Miami, hold them to 15. So, contrast the style in the first game. Second game in Duke, North Carolina, they know every single move of yep. each other. It's going to be interesting. Villanova, 83%. The free throw line on pace to be the best in Division One history. That's crazy. Kansas and Villanova also want to play the, the 94-foot game in a different light. Kansas wants to be at 94 feet. That hadn't changed since Roy Williams took the job. Uh, Bill Self's continued that tradition. And you look at Villanova uh, allowing just four transition points per game in the tournament. So that that style will be interesting. To that watch. stat to me is the answer to the winner of the game. I agree. I, I mean, it, I, I, not to oversimplify a complicated game, mm. but that's it. How is that first game played? Yep. Are we up and down the floor? Because if that's the case, I really like Kansas. Uh, if Villanova can figure out a way to keep that thing in a half-court game and make it a grinder, mm -hmm. you know what? They got a shot. Because if it's close and you got a foul, those dudes are going to beat you. The Final Four weekend in New Orleans has also become the time where the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame uh, will announce its inductees. And the finalists for the 2022 uh, Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame has an ACC flavor with the former North Carolina guard, uh, captain of the 72 Final Four team, and a great coach in the National Basketball Association. Not a good one, a great one in George Carl. You see uh, Bob Huggins is on there, Pack. You and I talked earlier this week, long overdue there. I talked to Bob Huggins this week on the radio yep. show, and I know he doesn't like to talk about so I didn't bring it up in the interview. Yeah. Uh, but he should have been in it a long, long time ago. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, Marianne Stanley, terrific coach in the women's game. Lindsey Whalen was a terrific player in the women's game, as was Swin Cash. And nice to see Hugh Evans, longtime NBA official, on that list with Manu Ginobili, Tim Hardaway, and Marcus Johnson. Who uh, Can we get a Bob Huggins in before we get an official? Please. <laughs> I mean, please. Please. What are we doing? Who's in charge of this? Mark Emmer? Probably should get Bob Huggins in before a referee. I right? mean, seriously. <laughs> I mean, come on. Hugh Bob Evans Bob... goes in and Bob Huggins doesn't. Oh, I will be. There'll be hot. a scene on the show. It'd be cool if George Carl gets in. George is a, you know, I remember interviewing him years and years and years ago in the old right. FNZ show. Right. It was always a joy to talk to yeah. George Carl. Uh, Huggins, by the way, more wins than any other non-Hall of Fame coach. It's ridiculous he's not in. Yes, it is. It is. Crazy. I mean, I'm all for the Hall of Fameless, as you all know, but he needs to be in it. Yeah, exactly. The Packer and Durham Podcast. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham.
Wow. How about that? Tell you what, every t- I'm telling you, every time I watch it, I just see that ball going boing. You're like, mm-hmm. there it goes. Yeah. All she wrote. What a run for Virginia to win the national title. No question. And that was just the first of many. I mean, much less what they did in the Final Four, right? Mm-hmm. Crazy yeah. calls against Auburn, having to make the threes, overtime against Texas Tech. Yeah. What a run. Yeah. Um, I've been made aware of a very special event you might be interested in this weekend. Uh, bourbon and barbecue in New Orleans? Yes. I think I'm an idiot. There's another event, though, that might be in your wheelhouse. I'll have to let you know in a second. Well, I've just why don't you some... just tell everybody now? Because they're sitting there going, well, why are you well, bring it up and not say what it is? Okay, we'll get to Tony Bennett here, and then we'll, I'll, t- I'll do the event. We've talked to Tony Bennett. No, no, let's talk about this a second. Okay. We'll Tony Bennett. Um, We've done Tony Bennett. There is a... Uh, there is an event this weekend in New Orleans uh, at the UNO Lakefront Arena. You know where I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. It's Hogs for a Cause, and it benefits the Children's Hospital of New Orleans. And essentially, uh, it's two days, tomorrow and Saturday, and it's uh, this is right in your wheelhouse. There's music. There's barbecue. There's refreshments. Bourbon. Sure. Uh, Bruce Hornsby's going to be there. Virginia guy. Yeah. NBA. Yeah, knows ACC basketball. No doubt. No doubt He'd about that. He'd be a good that. guest, by the way. He would be a good guest. Um, all sorts of local New Orleans bands. Eddie's 9V, the Pink Stones, John Cleary. Pink the Stones Epsi- are going to be there? Yeah. No kidding. Absolute monsters. Uh, gentlemen, John Cleary. Um, Elon Gregg, Chris Puckett, heavily involved, New Orleans native, uh, heavily involved in this event. What time uh, does that start? I think it's one of those all day Friday, all day Saturday things, like time, a festival. What, what time are we working Saturday? Uh, we're we're not working till like four o'clock in the afternoon Eastern. I believe uh, I know what I'm doing Saturday. <laughs> if we're you not, wanna, not working till four, yeah, they get started early in the morning. I don't know. We'll have to find out. The leader of the uh, the leader of the Boar's Nest Barbecue Organization is a proud Elon graduate. Chris Puckett. When the Pink Stones playing? I'm not quite sure we can find that out. Okay. We have connections to this event. Is that right? Well, we'll have to get a ticket. Do you have connections? Is that what you're saying? Well, my brother actually has a bigger connection, but we are on trade off that wing into the connection. Okay. I know the guy. Yes. I like the sound of that already. Yeah, I knew you would. All of a sudden, walking Bourbon Street, not quite as important, no, is I mean, it? I, will do, I love Bourbon Street. Yeah. Hogs not, not for a for, cause, though. Not so, for the reasons you think, though. Right. Hogs for a cause seems to be like right in your I, wheelhouse. I help a local charity for that, yeah. no doubt. Figured I'd be more would. than happy to partake, Yeah, participate. Yeah, kind of get off the beaten path of the normal New Orleans and into well, I'm going to take you to a place off the beaten path. One of my all-time favorite places. That Willie Mays? Willie Mays Scotch House. I shouldn't say it because now everybody's going to go. Oh. Willie Mays Scotch House is one of my all-time favorite places. There we go. Yeah, we'll get and there. It's in uh, not a great neighborhood, but the food is, if you love fried chicken, I know you don't go to New Orleans eat fried chicken, but you should go eat down this. by the levee. I'm guessing it's where no, it is. No, it's the exact opposite. Okay, exact opposite direction. There's some places down by the levee that are really good too. How about N7? There's a spot for you, folks. Go down there. Go check out N7. Mm-hmm. And thank me later. Yeah, it's the food town. I'm you're, telling you, it's you're, you're going to walk out and go. I swear to God, I'm going to get shot. No, you're not going to get shot. <laughs> but there's some great hole in the walls in New Orleans. New Orleans is man. I'm such a good food city. It's Such a, a great, food. fun city is what it is. And needless to say, we're aerodynamically designed for the food city. So I am. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, I've lost enough now to gain it all back in three days. Well, between New Orleans and Italy, I'd say you're going to have a challenge. Italy's going to be a problem. Italy is going to be a problem. Yeah, that'd be a problem. We'll worry about that later. All right. um, So Tony Bennett got the Virginia job 13 years ago today, and the Cavaliers' basketball fortunes have never been better, folks. Bottom line, uh, Craig Littlepage, John Castine, the president, John Oliver, the executive associate athletics director at the University of Virginia, uh, was able to, uh, you know, recruit Tony Bennett to come to Virginia. And at the time, remember at the time, a lot of people were thinking, huh, what? Tony Bennett, he had done okay at Washington State, that kind of thing. Oh, it's Dick Bennett's son. Oh, yeah, he played for the Charlotte Hornets. Oh, yeah. It was just kind of a – did we think it was going to be as good as it was when it was hired? No, when I'm, was not hired? Gonna, I'm not telling you it was, hey, Mike Krzyzewski just got hired at Duke. It wasn't that kind of what? Right, it wasn't that. Excuse me? He – He's coming from where? But Army? it wasn't Roy Williams at Carolina no, either. No, 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 no. It, it was certainly in between, but it was closer to the, the K scale higher mm-hmm. than it was the Roy scale higher. Yeah. Um, but it was like, oh, that's a good for Virginia. But, yeah, they won't be in. Virginia be middle of the road at best. Right. See you later. Catch you. you know, and Bennett seemed like a nice guy in the press conference. Yeah. Good looking guy. Wish him the best. Had a little Switzerland going on there, right? Like, yeah, hey, good for them. And yeah, whatever. Tony Bennett's a dude now. He's a real And I, I told you earlier. Uh, when Mike Krzyzewski calls it uh, quits, whether it be Saturday or Monday night, regardless, to me, the standard in this league this is, the is in Charlottesville, Virginia. Yep. And here is his introductory press conference. Listen to the comments. Fascinating stuff. I came here to build a great team, but more importantly, I came here to build a program that lasts. And I think the way you go about that is you have great integrity and you have great passion. And that's something that I want people when they watch our teams to see it all over. Passion and integrity. That's the way I know how to do it. Um, when I met with President Castine and I met with Craig Littlepage, I could see that this was their vision for the program. And um, as I thought about it, everything is in place here at the University of Virginia. It's really a remarkable place uh, as we came and saw it has outstanding academics. It has a facility that's second to none. It has the conference, the ACC, and it has the people. It has a community that is passionate about this university. And as I think about that, I can't wait to get recruits here. I can't wait to get them here and show them what this is about. Uh, You can't ask for much more as a head coach to have a place like this that offers that. So, Best winning percentage by major conference teams since 2009 or 10. This is a power six stat. Kansas, Duke, Kentucky, Villanova, Arizona, Virginia. How about that? said to you earlier, if you would have asked me trivia, Wes, I would not have gotten Arizona on that list. Would not have. Right. The other shades of blue there, uh, not surprised at all. Mm-mm. At all. Quite a statement by the University of Virginia. Well, quite a sta- and it's not. More there, I think it's quite a statement by Tony Bennett. There's not a better fit. What you know, when I see that press conference, it mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of Dabo Sweeney's press conference, not too far away mm-hmm. uh, from timing standpoint. And things that he said then, people are like, "Yeah, okay." Year earlier. Yeah, that's okay, coach. Go get them. And you see Tony Bennett with those statements. You're like, yeah, okay, coach. Go get them. Uh, look where we are today. 
and the programs those two gentlemen have established from a national standpoint. Pretty impressive. Yeah, and quite frankly, we're at a time now where the pivot has occurred from 2008 and 2009 to now, where guess what? Those are the respective faces of the league starting next year. Exactly right. 100%. Dabo's kind of been there for a few. No doubt. But Tony Bennett joins him. And I, I, we've talked about this before. I wish there was a way we could replay it in the offseason. The interview we did at, at uh, Amelia yeah, Island Tony in Bennett 2019 Dabo. with Tony Bennett and Dabo Sweeney is really one of the – I mean, we just kind of sat and let them talk. And it was unbelievable to listen to the insight into coaching and into the journey – of coaching that both provided for us. And the cool thing about that interview Mm -hmm. was, uh, I think Dabo's story about, I didn't have Tony Bennett's number. (laughs) So he called, I think John Swafford and said, Hey, can you give me Tony Bennett's number? This is when Tony Bennett's in the final four and Dabo sends him a text and says, Hey, you're going to win this thing and let the light shine in. You know, he went through Mm -hmm. this whole dissertation and Tony Bennett took that to his team. And they won, and they almost seemed like they had a bond. I don't know; they both won the national championship that right. particular year, mm-hmm. but there was almost like a bond of, from a philosophical standpoint, of what it's all about in that locker room, building a team, relationships, and the whole deal. And it was kind of cool for like us to sit yeah. back and shut up, and let the two stars really kind of give you some in-depth stuff of yeah. what takes place behind the scenes. But those two gentlemen, in my opinion, are the standards in the league. Mm-hmm. Dabo with football, Tony Bennett with basketball. So happy anniversary to Tony Bennett. Hey, make yourself some cookies today. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, from a recruiting perspective, like I said, we're not recruiting guys, but it sounds like a pretty good class coming to Charlottesville, and they need to get better on the offensive side. They're not – status quo is not good enough right now in Virginia to be where they want to be. Yeah, and the coaching culture, I'll pause on this, and it's ironic because we're talking about Dabo and, of course, Tony Elliott, his former offensive coordinator, is the new football coach at Virginia. And I'll I'll pause for this in that Virginia, the one thing we've recognized, really kind of starting with the old series Central show, and it's certainly carried over television, the coaching culture at Virginia is really good, Mm -hmm. the community of culture, right? No doubt. I mean, every coach we talk to, even Coach uh, Mox the other day for the first time. Tiffany, the list goes on and on. Yeah, Brian O'Connor. I mean, it just – kind of rolls down the line, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I think that's one of the things that will benefit Tony Elliott, and it's clear Tony Bennett has a major point in that as well. And I think that's important to the University of Virginia's overall success. I, 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 I'd even take it further, too. I think Carla Williams Carl's uh, done at great the very job, top yep. understands, hey, the, the, the process that they're going through in terms of foundation of setting up facilities and everything else yep. – uh, that's been a major project since she's gotten there. And you, again, it's like everything else, you got to have great leaders at the very top, mm-hmm. whether it's your athletic department, individual coaches, whatever the case may be, they've got it in the University of Virginia. Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham podcast. Packer and Durham on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. Again, just a programming note. Tomorrow, different time for the show, 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern time. Right. We're live from New Orleans. Yep. We'll be down there around Jackson Square. I'll be the one with about three cups of coffee from Cafe Du Monde set up in front of me. You love it, man. That's your, oh, that's that's your really kind good. of spot. It's really good stuff. I don't the coffee's excellent. I don't drink that stuff. Uh, Bubba Cunningham joined us yesterday, and it's always a terrific 
visit, and we'll get to that in just a second. Let's go to Ken in North Carolina, though, who 844-SAY-A-6-E-N. Ken, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. Excellent. Good, good, good. Good. Glad to talk to you. Um, got something to say on this UNC-Duke game. What I'm saying about this game pretty much is that if Duke does not get Carolina in the first half pretty much, and Carolina's proven they can go into Durham and win, and as the game gets tighter at the end, press special the last five minutes, I think Carolina will beat them. Because this is a little bit different. Yeah, Duke, the, the, the run that Duke has had through their side of the bracket, they have not played Carolina. They've been able to put that type of offensive display, but Carolina has firepower at the end of a lot of games. And Duke is going to be reminded on a mental note that this is Carolina they're playing. So this is why I think Carolina will win this game in the last five minutes. And I think the score will be like something like 82-76. All right. So the front end of the game is changed out for the back end of the game. Blue Devils ran off to a 31-8 lead in the first ball game in Chapel Hill. Now, Carolina did get off to a really good start. We noted that during the curtain call show. Carolina's good start, I thought, buoyed him well. But then Duke ran to, what, a six or an eight-point lead in the first half? I was going to say, in, in the NCAA tournament that I have watched, Duke has been fabulous inside five minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, ask Michigan State, ask Texas, Texas Tech. Tech. Yeah. Um, I don't think Duke will panic inside five. Yeah. I don't. But, I just hope it's a close game, period. Mm-hmm. But to think that Duke's going to wilt uh, inside five, they have not shown that in this tournament. They've been the exact opposite of that. Yeah. All right. So there we go. Thank you, Kent. Appreciate the call. 844-SAY-ACC. Do you know a vibe who's going to win this game yet? No. You don't? No. I, I, I that's do. why I cobbled those two-game summary numbers we showed earlier in the show today in the 7 o'clock hour. Are we going to give picks tomorrow? Sure, Are you in not? the mood? Sure, why not? Or Saturday? You going to wait till Saturday? I have Saturday? no idea. Well, that's a whole. That's their show. We get, we can do what we want on our show, I guess. Well, we can do it. What do you mean? Their show. Tell what, what, is, what is we and they? I thought we were on the same team. We all are on the same team, but nothing. But that's a broader scope show. If they want us to be involved in the picks, we'll be involved in the picks. We, we can get picks. Okay. We're going to stop us. We got the microphone. <laughs> I mean, wait a minute. Uh, I got to check BPI. Though. I want to really get the BPI. Here's what we want from you guys: talk about everything but the game. We get, we want to give picks on Saturday. We can get picks. What are you going to do? Stop us? We're going to shoot us? Yeah. Escort us off? We're going to Will Smith it? You've been asked to leave? We did really well all week. All right, let's get to uh, Bubba Cunningham, shall we? He was great. Uh, Terrific um, in terms of just the knowledge of what this is for Carolina. But also listen to kind of the committee talk, too. I have really good question and answers about his membership of that men's basketball committee. But we talked to Bubba, first-year head coach in the Final Four. You can't write a better script from a hoops perspective. It's been fantastic. You know, you you hope and dream that this stuff happens, and I, I cannot express how excited I am for Hubert and for the team. And, you know, all he talks about is the team. He talks about he's had his day in the sun, and this is an opportunity for these kids to have those same experiences. But he's a first-time head coach, and for, for all of us to witness this with Hubert enjoying what he's doing, enjoying his imprint on these kids and these opportunities, it is really special. And uh, we're not taking it for granted. It's a, a unique experience to be going to the Final Four uh, with a first-time head coach. Um, it's not unique, but it certainly is rare. Bubba, we talked uh, with Nina King yesterday, and of course the chair of the Women's Basketball Committee, 
Uh, there's been obviously a ton of questions, even though they had three ones and a two make it to the final four. You're on the basketball committee for the men. How difficult was this year from a seeding process and now what we see coming to a finished product with all these blue bloods showing up in New Orleans? It was really a challenge. Um, you know, we, we felt like the, the top four were the top four. But as it played out, obviously only one of the top four made it to, um, to the championship, to the final four. And so that was unique. There were a couple of real outliers, and it's probably like that every year. We have two or three teams that their net was really high, but you know, we, the competition they played wasn't that significant. And so we didn't seed them very high, but they did very well in the tournament. And others had really low nets, and then they did very well in the tournament. So it, it is a challenge each and every year. I do think the last three years have made it more complicated by not having a tournament, having a tournament in the bubble, and now having fans back and playing in multiple cities over multiple weekends. I think it, it was different um, for most people. You know, we have a, a fairly experienced team with Leakey and with uh, Armando, but they've never played in this environment. They haven't had to travel. Uh, Leaky has, but he's the only one. So it is new, and it's a new experience. And um, and I could not be more pleased with with how they've come through it, and more excited for for our fans and for the kids. Look, you've hired a lot of coaches, and you just mentioned it. I mean, the and Roy was with us yesterday from his porch and told us <laughs> that uh, you know the Hubert was there were some bumps in the road here. I mean, there were some some shots being fired and things like that. I mean. But there's a maturation process. And, you know, and I said this earlier in the show with Luke DeCock. I think there's a cautionary tale for the transition John Shire is going to go through, which actually adds another layer to the whole Duke Carolina thing Saturday night, Bubba. Duke's getting ready to go through what you just went through in terms of yeah. a guy who's been associated with the program for a length of time, taking over one of the proudest basketball traditions in the country. And there is an expectation that's built in about that. And Hubert, despite the, the early setbacks, Handled it beautifully by, and I think you hit this right on the head, keeping it about the team. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, when, when Coach Williams called me last year and said that uh, he was going to retire, uh, the first person I talked to after that was Hubert. And I know Hubert was interested, but I said, Hubert, I'll tell you right now, my biggest concern is that you've not been a head coach. And I'll tell you right now, as I get into this search, I'm, my predisposition is to hire somebody with head coaching experience. Every single coach I've ever interviewed said, I've done everything the head coach does except call timeouts. And then they get the job and they realize, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And particularly at North Carolina. North Carolina basketball is an incredibly challenging job. Everyone expects you to win every single game. And you have to win some games by a big margin. But what the coaches don't realize is all of the time commitments that are required for the job. It is, you know, the basketball is one thing, but you have to recruit, make every decision about recruiting. You have to make every decision about where do you spend your time and how do you allocate your time. You have uh, development opportunities. You have media obligations. You have campus obligations. You have your own personal obligations to your family. All of those things are just 24-7, and that is probably the most underrated things that coaches think. They do think that transition. They all talk about, well, you know, as an assistant coach, I get to make suggestions. Now as a head coach, I make decisions. But they're making decisions in so many different areas that they do not anticipate. And that really takes time to work your way through. And I thought he did a fantastic job doing that. And I think it's reflective of the personality of the team that's reflective of Hubert's personality. Any new news 
being whispered down the hallway regarding name, image, and likeness and legislation and guidelines, or are we still as lost in the middle of the universe with this one as we were six months ago? Yeah, I think we are somewhat lost in the middle of the universe. I know the Senate's having some uh, discussions today. Uh, Senator Murphy's having some panel discussion today. I think everybody really understands the value of college sport in society. I think we're really trying to figure out what is the right distribution of revenue associated with college sports. NIL is a part of it. The transfer portal is a part of it, that freedom of movement. Um, And and we're just working through that rather clumsily and awkwardly. Um, Part of it is because we have so many legal challenges. So you have the judicial branch moving in one direction. You have the NCAA legislative process that moves quite slowly. And then you have Congress with the potential for legislative action that would happen at the federal level. So all three of those are somewhat colliding, and it's probably going to take us two or three years to to work through that. Um, Again, people understand the value of college sports. Uh, The economics of college sports have changed so much in the last 20 to 30 years. What is the appropriate revenue distribution? And that's what we're struggling with. Bubba, can college sports as a whole survive two or three years without there being some kind of rule or regulation? I mean, I I can't even imagine what we're going to look at if it stays basically status quo for another two or three years in that department. It will survive. I mean, there's too much investment in it. We've made too much investment. Other universities have made too much investment. The kids are here. It is, you know, we're providing half a million students the opportunity to go to college. There's $3 billion of financial aid associated at the NCAA level. We are going to have college sports. Just We're just going to have to organize how we run, jump, swim, and play. It's going to happen. It will be clumsy. It'll be awkward. It'll be frustrating. But we'll have to figure out this new economic model. You know, will students become a different relationship to the university? Will there be some type of collective bargaining? Will there be federal legislation? Where will the courts take us? It just takes time to work through those. There is uh, one of the great selfies. I love his selfies. You never see Bubba, but he always shows you the moment. Know that hairline. There you do. There you go. So... Thanks to Bubba Cunningham for his time. Uh, I'm Every time he's on, we get a real good check of the temperature, don't we? I, I thought his answer regarding name, image, and likeness oh, and where we are was uh, almost disturbing. Because uh, I, I, you sometimes you ask questions, what you think the answer is going to be, that's why I got to listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, his answer uh, was unsettling. Uh, he's thinking two or three years down the road. I was kind of hoping we we're on a faster track than that. doesn't appear to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're worried about then the next two or three years if that doesn't change? What are we doing? I agree. I mean, totally agree. it's already out of control. I mean, you mean to tell me we can be out of control for another two or three years and then think we're just going to pick up and go backwards? That's, I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you on that part. I think that part is scary. Uh, that's, a, that's a wake-up call. Yeah. Again, here we are again <laughs> talking about it. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. And don't forget, ACC Network is also your home for lacrosse. Women's side of it comes up Saturday noon, number four, Syracuse and Pittsburgh. This is the first year Pittsburgh's had a program, Pack. Uh, started back in uh, February. was up there the weekend. They played their first game. Great support from the uh, Panther faithful for that program. And now a real test, number four, Syracuse, Saturday at noon on ACC Network and streaming live 
on the ESPN app. Busy weekend at the Carrier Dome, by the way. You got your spring football on Friday night. You got your lacrosse Saturday at noon. Dino Babers will join us next hour as yeah. well from Syracuse. But right now we've got uh, lacrosse on the brain in every sense of the word. And uh, two of Notre Dame's finest join us right now, yeah. Wes. And it's a really important game coming up with Syracuse this week. Uh, Jose Boyer, bottom left. Max Manick, bottom right. Join us from South Bend. Good morning, fellas. How are we? Good. How are you? Good. Great to have Doing you fantastic. guys. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Um this is uh, a Saturday match against Syracuse is the mental health awareness game. Uh, Jose, I'll let you go first. Take us through the importance of Saturday's game beyond just a, an important ACC men's lacrosse game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for starters, definitely a huge game for us um, starting ACC play here. Um, but yeah, no. So this idea kind of got started back in September when uh, – I actually had last year just worn a piece of tape on my helmet honoring uh, a legend of my hometown, Yorktown Heights, New York, of Rob Cavett. Um, Rob, unfortunately, passed away last March and wanted to kind of pay my respects to him and everything he was as a player and a man. And kind of got going that when um, the piece of tape on my helmet, his father had actually seen and reached out to Coach Corrigan in the fall. So I thought it would be pretty important if maybe our team had a conversation about it. And not only that, maybe saw what we could do to contribute to their family um, during kind of these difficult times. Um, and then kind of going back and forth with coach, we learned that one of our ND alums had also unfortunately passed away. Um, so we wanted to honor both these men with a game this spring, kind of commemorating and highlighting what mental health matters is. And Tommy O'Brien is the, the alum that had passed away. And between Tommy and Rob, there's so many people that had unbelievable stories about both of them. And we really wanted to highlight who they were as people and men and really educate those people in terms of mental health awareness as well. And, and Max, for you, um, you know, we talk about sports all the time on this show uh, and lose sight sometimes. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you're student athletes. You're going to school. And there is a grind. There's a pressure to perform at a high level in the classroom, on the field, whatever the sport may be. Uh, how important has that been in terms of your conversation on this team within the league, other players that you play with in terms of mental health and, and being able to understand that, hey, if you have a problem, there's at least an outlet that you can go to get help? Yeah, of course. Wonderful question. Um, in my opinion, um, we don't have that conversation enough. That question is just not asked enough, you know. So, for example, it's like, you know, if I'm practicing, I pull a hamstring, roll an ankle, whatever it is, I have no problem torturing my trainer every single day, sometimes twice a day, and just attacking that. But, you know, with mental health, um, just not all wounds are visible. And that's sort of our big slogan for this game because we are always impacted by mental health. Um, as you were saying, academics are hard. Social life is hard. Athletics, you know, it, we're playing at the highest level. Um, there's always a lot of pressure, and um, just the impact of mental health is very paramount in college athletics. And that's just not something that we talk about enough. So Jose and I are super excited to be hosting this this game with um, our team and with Cuse and just the rest of the lacrosse community and just athletic community as a whole because it's a very important conversation that we are happy to get started and hopefully continue through um, the rest of this year. You know, Max, the other thing too, and same thing with Jose, that, that you know, you're also still in a COVID situation. So it's not – even in a perfect world, there's stresses and pressures almost everywhere you go, but you throw in COVID on top of that – uh, you know, all of a sudden, a typical normal life as a student gets turned upside down, much less a student athlete. So I think all of this kind of it starts to compound on one another where you go, holy mackerel, we got a lot we've got to juggle right now. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that the past two years have been a really difficult time for a lot of different people. And I know that not really being out of it yet has been honestly quite difficult. Um, so I think just having this conversation, like you said, where we're showing people that there are an outlet, it's okay to not be okay, is something that also a lot of people have said within mental health and sports. Um, and as Max has mentioned, it's something that's really difficult to, you know, diagnose or to see or really understand, like, what's going on. So just having conversations is really what we're looking for kind of with this game as well. Uh, I, I want to ask you about the conversations between both schools here. Obviously, Jose, you mentioned the tie you have from your hometown with Rob and uh, and of course, the Tommy O'Brien's passing uh, certainly impacts Notre Dame. What about the conversations student athletes have who are also lacrosse players? I mean, have you had talks with guys that play at Syracuse about this? And the, obviously, there's a dual mission here to understand the impact both schools went through when they lost those guys, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's honestly really unique that you can come together being you know ACC rivals. Uh, day in and day out and then kind of come together on something so paramount and so important to our sport and college athletics in general so yeah we've had discussions with um, Syracuse as well because quite honestly this event isn't possible without them um, I think it doesn't have as much meaning if it's just our one side so coming together I think is a really important thing that we wanted to preach and I know when we spoke with coach Corrigan in the beginning of the year um, Max and myself about this idea coach Corrigan really was hoping to get them on board and thankfully they were all very supportive of it so I think kind of us combining forces um, as a united front here to kind of fight this um, you know stigma that's around mental health I think is very important I just hope we get our hands on some of those uh, mental matters t-shirts man those things would be cool and it goes to a great charity on top of it Max as far as the season goes man every time we talk lacrosse whether it be the men's side the women's side in this league holy mackerel everybody's got a number beside their name uh, what's it been like so far especially as you get ready to jump in the ACC play here yeah of course uh, well you know Jose and I were playing here because what we're playing with the best of the best um, and you know sometimes and you know the season doesn't go the way you want to start and yeah sometimes it's very disappointing to lose. Um, but, you know, what we do is we show up every day, um, we practice, we work hard, and um, we just keep getting back um, each and every day and work hard. Um, and if we keep doing that, it will show up in, in the win-loss column. Um, and sort of just the best part about playing here and, and playing in this conference is you, ne you never know what's going to happen. We play the best every single weekend. Um, all of our teammates are the best. Um, and it could not be more exciting. But with that, right, there's always a lot of extra pressures. Um, you, know, you know, we're not playing high school lacrosse anymore. So this is why this game is so important, so that we can really, you know, make sure that we are locked in, not just in the game, but also with the mental side of the game as well. Well, I'd say the twofold part of this is, number one, you got a great showcase. ESPNU is going to show the game 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. The second part of this is, now all of a sudden the league is the league, right, guys? I mean, you guys are 0-1 in the league. Kind of Syracuse is jumping in here a little bit. Both of you have played incredible non-conference schedules. So all of a sudden the double-down effect is in play here, right, on Saturday? Yeah, oh, no, yeah, definitely. I think... And we're excited for the challenge. Yeah. yeah. Jose? Yeah, no, I just re definitely reiterate what Max said. I know day in and day out. It's definitely a grind, but, you know, we know every week that we're playing a top opponent, so we have to come ready to play. So we'll definitely be uh, excited for Saturday. 
All right. Well, tell our friend Coach Cargan we said hello, right, Pac? Yeah, I got I got two more questions. Okay. Oh, oh, you got to do the big ones. Oh yeah, yeah. Because our boys are here making debuts yeah, on the show, the big ones. so we're gonna have to get. They've the probably been told questions. you're gonna ask this. Too. I, I don't know. We'll find out. Jose, right. I'll lead with you. Uh, since you've been at Notre Dame, <laughs> since you've been at Notre yep. Dame, what has been your hardest class? Oh wow, that's a loaded question. Um, I would say probably. Uh, a finance elective I took last spring. Um, some guys on the team were actually in the course with me. Um, it was definitely challenging to say the least, but uh, I actually I think I learned a pretty good amount of, at the end of the semester, but it was actually management of financial institutions was the name of the class. Whoa, 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 whoa. Come again on that. What was that called? <laughs> yeah, management of financial institutions. Management of yeah, financial exactly. institutions. I normally refer yep. to that as the banking class. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was definitely a challenge. Uh, I think I, there are a few guys in the class with me on the team, and they shared the sentiment as well. <laughs> yeah, All right. Figured. All right, Max, same question. Since you've been at Notre Dame, what's been the toughest one? Yeah, my hardest class was um, last year. I took my second organic chemistry, borderline impossible. Yeah. yeah, super, super tough class. Yeah, that, that chemistry. So yeah, that's, that's your first mistake right there, Max. You don't dabble in anything called organic <laughs> chemistry. I don't know what you want to do in life, son, but you got to get around that yeah, one, okay? We're going to find something else. Yeah. Uh, yes, now. sir. Yeah, that, that, you know, you talk about, hey, we're not playing high school lacrosse anymore. Yeah, not we're not in high school anymore yeah. when you're jumping out yeah. organic chemistry. That's yeah. a whole different universe, man. No, sir. Man, you know, look, you guys are bright guys. You play a rough sport. You know exactly what you're doing. You seem like you got a good head on your shoulders, and then you decide to walk into organic chemistry. Yeah. Right, Max? Yeah. <laughs> yep, and you have no idea what just hit you. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, keep up the great work. Uh, the cause is terrific, yeah, is. and uh, so is lacrosse. And uh, we wish you the very, very best. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. And if you yeah, guys can get, you. Um, get us your shirt sizes, we'll have those shipped out right away. Oh, done. Done. Guaranteed. <laughs> all right. Guaranteed. You like might it. get that on a T-shirt Friday in the spring. Yeah. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, Max Manick, Jose Boyer, Notre Dame lacrosse. Look at Solid. us getting some swag. What a cool idea, though, right? I mean, really, Absolutely. the sport's great. The, the league's great. Teams are unbelievable. But right. when you do a cause and have both schools tied into it, that's first class. Yeah, first no class. doubt, right? And uh, wish them all the best. And once again, we say this, those are the stars of the show. And, well, Chester Fuller and then the student Yeah, the student <laughs> But you're right. I mean, the, the student athletes in this league are just fabulous. Yep. The Packer and Durham Podcast.